Choose your president today. Choose the Boulevard president, a magnificent 21-jewel watch. Only $49.50, federal tax included. At better jewelers everywhere. Next on KNX, Ray Milland in Of Human Bondage. Tonight we bring you Mr. Ray Milland with Miss Joan Loring in Of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham. This is the Ford Theater. The Ford Motor Company, builder of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, invites you to the Ford Theater. A full hour of the finest dramatic entertainment with celebrated stars of Hollywood and Broadway. And now to introduce tonight's program, here is the director of the Ford Theater, Fletcher Mock. Tonight, our play is derived from one of the truly great novels of the 20th century. Somerset Maugham's memorable work is a careful and candid study of man and woman in conflict of desperation in the heart, of loneliness and need, of human bondage. It is the story of Philip Carey, who wanted escape, and of Mildred, who would not permit escape. From their first meeting in a London tea shop, their lives were locked together in the helpless clutch of human passion, and as you will hear, their escape was costly. Tonight, to play Philip, we have with us in the Ford Theater one of Hollywood's most deserving winners of the Academy Awards. Mr. Ray Milland. And with Mr. Milland, in the role of Mildred, you'll be hearing a young actress with a more than promising present and I think a very wonderful future, Miss Joan Loring. Also, there's Hedley Rennie as Griffiths and Susan Douglas as Sally. Mr. Milland, Miss Loring, and company, please to begin. <laughs> time in my life, I was beginning it all over again. I'd stuck out on my own at an early age and had made three successive failures, as a student, as an accountant, and finally as a painter. Now, for the fourth start in life, I had decided to become a physician. That had been my father's profession, and I had made up my mind that this time I would not fail. With the remainder of my small inheritance, I went up to London and enrolled at St. Luke's Hospital, where my father settled before me. It was a custom at St. Luke's to acquaint a student with practical anatomy as quickly as possible. And on my first day, I was told to report to the dissection lab. I say there, what do you think you're doing with that specimen? Why, isn't this number four? Four is across the aisle, chum. Oh, then I must have made a mistake. The numbering is rather confusing. Oh, so it is. Who's your partner? Well, they didn't tell me I was to have a partner. Everyone has a partner this term, shortage of specimens. Well, I was told to use number four. Well, four is uh, Dunford. Oh, Dunford... Yes, what is it, Griffith? Here's your partner. He's been in the wrong place. So, I didn't think I'd have the luck to get such a delicious dissection job all to myself. Yes, <laughs> you fellas certainly are in luck. I say, what's your name? Uh, Carey, Philip Carey. I'm Griffith, and this, of course, is Dunford. Hello. Well, I'm glad to know you both. 
Uh, why do you say that Dunford and I are in luck? Because you've got the best special to work with. Absolutely delicious. It's a leg. And not only is it a leg, but it's to Lightly's Aquinas. That's a horse foot, a club foot. They're very rare. Yes, now that you mention it, it is a little like a horse's hoof. Why, I don't see any reason to joke about it. Oh, come, Carrie, you'll have to get used to this sort of joke. I still don't see any point in joking about a club foot. It's not funny. Oh, no, no, nobody said it was. Now, you get your back up about it. person can't help it if he has a club foot. Oh, good <laughs> Lord, listen to this fellow, Dunford. <laughs> He's thinking he had a club foot himself the way... Oh. Oh, oh, I say, I, I'm terribly sorry, Carrie. I, I haven't noticed. I'm dreadfully sorry. I don't want your apologies. Keep them to yourself. Yes, of course. Well, now, if you gentlemen will excuse me, I'd better get to work. Come on, Carrie. You and I have a bit of work to do, too. I don't think I feel much like it. Tell you the truth, I don't feel like working myself. Let's get a cup of tea. Don't care for any, thank you. Oh, come, Carrie. I know the most marvelous tea room. What's more, there's a waitress there. You should see her, one of those real beauties. Tell you what, I'll treat you to tea just so you can see this enchanting girl. Oh? I'm quite madly in love with her myself. And I'll wager that you'll be madly in love with her, too, the minute you see her. <laughs> All right, Dunford, I'd like very much to have tea with you. But don't expect me to fall in love with this woman. I promise you I'll do nothing <laughs> to sort, not even to please you. Well, what do you think of her? Well, rather anemic, I'd say. Perhaps, but you've got to agree she's attractive. And she's terribly vain. Do you notice how much trouble she takes to prevent soiling her hands? Oh, that, that little man she's waiting on, name of Miller. He comes in here every day to talk to her. I wish I had his nerve. Dunsford, do you mean to tell me you've been coming here all this time and haven't even spoken to her? Only to give her my order. I wouldn't dare speak to her otherwise. Carrie, you know, you look like the sort that has a way with women. Perhaps you'd speak to her for me. Well, what's her name? Mildred. That's what the other waitresses call her. Mildred? Yes. What an odious name. I rather like it. Well, I must confess, I'm in love with her. Well, perhaps you'd come over this way. I'll speak to her for you. No, not today. I have an engagement in ten minutes, pretty. Oh, uh, and look here, Kelly. I'm sorry about what happened back there in the lab. Oh, there's nothing. Forget it. Well, wish I didn't have to go, but I must. Goodbye, Kelly. Meet you at the lab tomorrow. Right, see you in the morning. I was not attracted to Dunford's waitress and couldn't understand what he saw in her. The complexion made her look as though she were made of china, and she had an extraordinary amount of hair, blonde and curled. Having nothing else to do, I began to sketch her picture, thinking I'd present it to Dunford. I'd almost completed it, and I felt someone standing at my elbow. What happened to your friend? I beg your pardon? Your friend, the one who was there with you. Very handsome, isn't he? Well, I suppose so. What happened to your friend? The one you were talking to, the commercial gentleman. You're being very cheeky now, aren't you? I didn't mean to be. Aren't you a student? Yes, St. Luke's. I heard you were going to spend all your time over there cutting up people. Is that right? I suppose so. What said you got there? Oh, just a scrap of paper. You do ask a lot of questions. You want a picture, aren't you? Well, it's a sketch of you. I was making it for my friend. You know, he's rather fond of you. I can't be bothered with this, can't He's only a student. No, and what's wrong with students? How long before a student gets to be a doctor? Five or six years. And how much money does a doctor make? Very little at first. Which is why I never bother with students. Oh, that picture of me. You could make your friend another one, couldn't you? I suppose so. And you could give this one to me, couldn't you? But it's not very good. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I don't think I haven't got pictures of myself. I have dozens of pictures. But I rather like this one. <laughs> oh, well, you may have it. 
You know, you're not a bad sort at all. I say, I wonder if you'd do me a favor. Would you dine with me one night and then go to the theater? I get a couple of stores. I don't mind. You don't sound very enthusiastic. I look for the entertainment to the theater. Oh. There's one thing you ought to get into your head right away. I'm a good, respectable girl, and just because I go to the theater with you, that doesn't give you any rights with me. Not for kissing or anything. Well, that, that suits me. If you were a real gentleman, you'd invite me to sit down. May I? I'd be delighted. That's what I thought you'd do. A real gentleman. Well, I began as a joke, as an escapade on behalf of my friend Dunford. Soon became something quite different. It became a trap. The more I saw of Mildred, the more I disliked her. But she had a kind of fascination for me. She was unpredictable and curiously exciting. At length, the evening came when I was to take her to the theater. I was a bit early, so I ordered tea while I waited for her to finish working. They do say the early bird always gets the worm. That's what they say. You know, Mildred, I suspect you must like every cliché in the English language. Is that nice or is it insulting? It's a compliment. Oh. You don't have any customers. Why don't you sit down? Don't mind if I do. What's happened to your friend with the moustache? I uh, haven't seen him here lately. Are you trying to find out something? And if I were? Wouldn't make any difference to me. Mr. Miller, that's his name. He's gone back to Birmingham. He's in business there. Oh? Is he in love with you? Oh, I expect so. And the thing is, what's it got to do with you? Not for you don't have much to do with your time always hanging around here. The other waitresses say you're fooling me on me. I'm sorry if it seems that way. Oh, it doesn't. Not to me. Mostly, I thought you didn't really like me. I'll see what's better than me. Well, I'll let you know I don't have to work for a living like the other girls. I work for something to do. But don't you think it's about time we left for the dinner? Otherwise, we'll, we'll miss the theater. Oh, yes, the theater. I am so sorry. I forgot to tell you. Kept you waiting all this time when you might have been making other plans. Forgot to tell me what? I can't go to the theater with you. But why? Oh, it's, um, it's my aunt. She's taken in. I live with her, you know. But you can't be left alone now, can't you? Very well. I'll, I'll see you home. But you've got the tickets. You mustn't wait. Sir. I'm not interested in going to the theater without you. I'll see you to your aunt. Oh, you can't see me, Alma. I won't let you. That's what I thought. You've been arranged to go out with someone else. I don't know what you're talking about. You're just as selfish as all the rest. And he's thinking of yourself. It's not my fault if my aunt's sick, is it? Is it? No, Mildred. It's not your fault. I left as quickly as I could. In my heart, I was angry, humiliated, and sick. I stood across the street. As I watched the gas lights in the shop flicker out, I realized that I was in love with Mildred. In love with a woman whom it seemed I hated and despised. I felt as if my breathing had stopped when I saw her come out of the shop. She noticed me at the same time and came rushing across the street. Oh, what are you doing here? Taking the air. You're staying on me, you dirty little cat. I thought you was a gentleman. And I thought you were going to sit with your aunt. Is that why you're all dressed up? I can change my mind if I want to. And I won't be followed and spied upon. You hear me? I won't. Have you seen Miller today? I've told you Mr. Miller is in Birmingham. Is that so? Well, I saw him coming out of the shop not ten minutes ago. That's no business of yours. I can go out with anyone I want to. Please, Mildred. I was looking forward to this evening so very much. Won't you change your mind? Come to the theater with me. It's no good talking. I've made up my mind, and when I make up my mind, I'll keep it. 
Then it's goodbye. Is it indeed? I'll never see you again. I hope you won't. But I'm very, very doubtful that I'll be so lucky. Goodbye, Mildred. Goodbye, Mr. Curry. I made good my resolution never to see Mildred again for exactly four weeks. Then one afternoon I found myself there in the tea shop giving an order to Mildred. Cup of tea and a muffin, please. Don't you remember? I said I'd never see you again. What are you doing here now, then? I, I simply had to see you. Would you like me to sit down? Please do. It's a nasty trick you played on me, spying on me like that. I always thought you was a gentleman in every sense of the word. No, don't be beastly, Mildred. I can't bear it. You are a strange fellow. I can't make you out. But it's very simple. I'm, I'm such a blasted fool as to be in love with you. Even though you don't care tuppence for me. If you'd been a gentleman, I think you'd have come next day and begged my pardon. If I could only make you understand how you much I... You haven't begged my pardon yet. I'm sorry, Mildred. I beg your pardon. Now you've said it, I don't mind telling you that I wish I had come up with you that evening. You do? I thought Miller was a gentleman, but I discovered my mistake. Soon sent him about his business. Mildred, won't you please come out with me tonight? Let's go and dine somewhere. Well, oh, I haven't seen you for so long. I do want to talk to you. I don't my clothes. But we go somewhere. It doesn't matter how you're dressed. Please, please say yes. Well, all right. You will come out with me? I don't mind if I do. The weeks passed into months, and I was completely absorbed with Mildred. By that time, I was doing very little work at St. Luke's. I missed classes and avoided lectures. I was seeing Mildred every night. And every night we quarreled. Oh, don't be unreasonable, Philip. After all, a friend asked me to the theater tonight. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure he's a perfect gentleman. You say this about anyone who tries to pick you up. You want to go to the theater, I'll take you. I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Oh, but that's not the same thing. I can always go back with you. With any sense of decency, any sense of gratitude, you wouldn't think of going out with this man. Gratitude? If you mean the things you've given me, you can have them back. Besides, it's not very lively going about with you. It's always, do you love me? Do you love me until I get sick of it? Well, if you feel that way about me, it's a wonder you condescend to come out of me at all. I'm sure it's not my secret. I'm sick of your temper and your jealousy. I don't care for you, never cared for you, and never will care for you. I don't want to have anything more to do with you. Mildred, please, please don't cause a scene. Oh, it's you that always causes a scene. Please, Mildred, make allowances for me. Oh, allowances? Well, I've so much to put up with. You can't begin to know what it's like to be a cripple. I understand completely you're not liking a man with a club foot. That's not what I meant, Philip. I've never thought about that. At least not since the first day or two after I met you. Oh, it's incredible. It's completely incredible. When I was a boy, I swore no one would ever make me take refuge in the fact that I was different. That I was clumsy and a cripple. But you succeeded in doing just that. Have I? I don't know what I see in you. Don't you? You're cheap and wanton. I've not found one good thing in you. Then why don't you stay away from me? Because I can't. Because I love you. Enough. The other day you said you wouldn't marry me if, if I asked you. Although I hadn't asked you. Do you still mean that? When I make up my mind, I'll stick to it. Anyway, you couldn't afford to get married. Oh, I've got something like 1,300 pounds left. You wouldn't be able to earn anything for six years, not as long as you're at St. Luke's. We don't have four pounds a week to live on. Less than that. And what would you earn when you finished school? As an assistant? Oh, about three pounds a week. Thanks, just the same. 
Well, I'm married to you. I'll be snapping it off an arm now. It's certainly a strange one, Mildred. Am I? Cold and ruthless. That's your opinion of me? It is. Sometimes I should like to know what you really think of me. I couldn't tell you that. And why not? Then perhaps we'd better leave things as they are. At least for the present. term had ended at St. Luke's, and unless I buckled down immediately, I was doomed to fail in my examinations at the end of spring, ending my hopes for a medical career. I knew that only one thing could save me, to be rid of Mildred, and the all-consuming thoughts and emotions which I had for her. Then one afternoon, she asked me to take her driving in a cab. Wishing to be absolutely alone with her, I hired a team and drove it myself. I was delighted. You know how much I enjoy being with you. Well, I've, I've got something to say to you, Philip. Well, I suppose it's something unpleasant. I, I hope you won't be silly about it. But the fact is, I'm going to be married. Oh, well, then, oh! Philip, what are you doing stopping the horses in the middle of the road? I was trying to hear you better. I thought you said... I'm getting on. You see, I'm 24. It's time I settle down. I thought you said you were going to be married. Did you say that? For heaven's sake, Philip, you might have the decency to congratulate me. I might. Yes, I might. Who are you going to marry? I'll never come as a surprise. It's Mr. Miller. Miller? Miller? But you haven't seen him for months. He came in the shop for lunch one day last week and he asked me then. The post right over his last feet. He's earning good money. Seven pounds a week and he's got prospects. I suppose this was inevitable. You were bound to accept the highest bidder. When are you going to be married? Saturday next. As soon as that? I've already given my notice at the shop. But you don't know anything about this man except that he's come in to eat a few times. I don't know any more than that about you when you asked him to marry you, didn't you? I'd rather forget that I ever did. <laughs> you mean you'd rather forget that I turned you down? Let's not start that again. It wasn't me that began it. Oh, very well. We're going to be married to the registry office. Hey, well, that's Mr. Miller. He prefers it that way. I was so flattered that you asked me to take you for a drive. I should have known something was up. Well... I'll take you for a ride you'll never forget. Get up there. I'll take you a real drive. This will be your wedding gift from me. Get up there. Get up. I'll give you a ride you won't soon forget. Don't know. Get up. Go again. It was over. Mildred was married and I'd lost her. But for the moment, I was neither happy nor unhappy. I began to attend lectures and go to the lab again. And I studied harder than I ever believed possible. Then I found another way to forget Mildred. I went out of my way to make new friends. One of them was Nora. I hadn't known her very long before I told her about Mildred. I think you're well out of it, Philip. Your Mildred sounds a perfect beast. I can't tell you how grateful I am that it's over. I'm beginning to feel almost human again. I know what that means. I felt the same way when my husband died. Nora, I must tell you something. Yes, sir? I don't quite know how to say it, but uh, yesterday, when I kissed your hand, you asked me not to do it again. I did indeed. You must realize I've become very fond of you. And I'm very glad, Philip. But I really shouldn't be sitting here with you like this. I should be writing. I promised my publisher I'd have two more chapters for you next week. Only where I'll go. I didn't mean... Oh, 
Philip, you're angry with me. No, I'm not. It's my own fault. I'm acting like a fool again. I should realize that no woman could ever really be attracted to me. Philip, I suppose you're referring to your foot. Well? It's very silly of you to be so sensitive. You know, other people don't think about it as much as you do. They notice it the first time they see you, but then they forget it. I think I'd better be going. Oh, please don't. I only speak to you about this because I don't want to make you unhappy, Philip. That's the last thing I'd want to do. You are miraculous, Nora. I've never known anyone like you. Don't be silly. I mean it. Then you'll stay? You won't go? I won't go. If you want me, I'll stay and stay. I do want you. Nora. Sweet Nora. Yes, Philip, I want you to stay and stay and stay. I was happy with Nora. We laughed a lot and we talked a lot. No one had ever been so kind to me. London that winter was a city of sunshine. Each new day was bright with promise. I even studied hard enough to pass my examination at St. Luke's. Life seemed wonderful until one morning. Yes, I'm here. Oh, Mr. Carey, you'll have to excuse my coming in this way, but you didn't answer, and I thought that there was... All right. I'm not feeling very well. Perhaps if I had some tea... Oh, you do look awful, if you'll excuse my saying so. I think I'd better go get someone. Perhaps Mr. Griffiths is at home. Oh, don't bother, please. I'll, I'll be all right. Oh, indeed, I will bother. Mr. Griffiths will know what to do. yourself. Influence is my specialty. Never lost the case yet. Hey, let me have that thermometer. Well? Well, now, it's rather as though you're a very sick man. Yes, indeed. Very sick. I'd never really known Griffiths very well in the past, but in the days and nights which followed, he never left my side. He was both doctor and nurse. I suppose he saved my life. At any rate, I finally managed to sit up and take some interest in things again. Another cup of tea? No, no thanks. I, I, I can't imagine why you're being so good to me. Let's say that I'm making up for something. A blunder I made that first day you came to the juice. You mean that day in the lab? Well, after all, I did hurt you by suddenly noticing your foot. Oh, you don't owe me anything for that? I pretend that I do. I don't know how I'll ever be able to repay you. Oh, you'll be able to do something for me someday. And you can be sure of one thing, Griffiths. If there's anything I can do for you, absolutely anything, you can be sure that I'll do it, no matter what it is. I'd never have said those words if I'd known how soon I'd have to repay Griffiths. And in what a curious fashion. It was two weeks later... I spent a long afternoon at school, and I was somewhat dismayed when I returned to my rooms and found my landlady waiting for me. Oh, here you are, Mr. Carey. I thought you'd never come back. 
come. There's a lady waiting in your room. Lady? Did she give a name? No. I shouldn't have let her in, but she's been here three times. And she seems that upset at not finding you, so I told her she could wait. Well, thanks. Thanks very much. I hope I didn't do anything wrong letting her in. No, that's all right. She said she was a personal friend. Well, about time you arrived. Mildred. Yes, it's me. I've come back. What the devil do you want here? Oh, you're not glad to see me. I thought you'd still have some regard for me. I'd hope never to set eyes on you again. I wish I was dead. Anything would be better than to have you see me like this, all miserable and humble. Why are you here? What's happened to your dear Mr. Miller? Exactly. Oh, Philip, it's too late now. I know, but I only wish I had married you when you asked me. You were always so good to me. You were the one person I knew I could turn to. What's happened? Have you thrown you into the street where you belong? I can't tell you. I can't. All right, don't tell me. I don't know why you have this power over me, but looking at you now, I do feel sorry for you. It was awful cruel to me, you know what? He married me all right, fine and legal. But he forgot to tell me that he already had a wife and three children. That's absurd. A man can't treat a woman that way. He got angry when I told him the baby was coming. Baby? He told me I'd nearly good rights over him. But I wasn't his lawful wife, and I should get out and never bother him again. I wouldn't go. So he went. Left me without a penny. Told me if I ever tried to annoy him in Birmingham, he'd go to the police for protection. Good Lord, what a mess. I wouldn't go back to him now if he was to come to me on his knees. I was a fool ever to mix up with him. That's what I was. And the lies he told me, Philip. He wasn't making half the money. He said he was not by half. Then you'll have to go back to your aunt. No. My aunt's dead. I've no one in the world to turn to but you, Philip. I thought I was done with you. I'd never see you again. Never care what happened to you. But you do, Philip. Yes, I do. You're still fond of me. Heaven help me, I am. Oh, please. If you still want me, I'll come back to you. No, I don't want that. Don't you care for me anymore? Yes. I don't want to, but I do. Oh, I knew you was a gentleman and wouldn't go back on your word. I knew you wasn't like Miller. Oh, Philip, you won't be sorry for this. You won't be sorry. Because I won't let anything stand between you and me, not this time. I wonder if you mean that. Oh, I do. I wonder if you'll still say that when I've got you a place to live and given you money to live on. I really and truly wonder. I do, Philip. Oh, I do, I do. Weeks passed as in a dream. After I found Mildred a place to live, I arranged for her confinement since she expected the baby in a few months. I became so absorbed in doing things for Mildred that I forgot someone else. I forgot Nora. It was inevitable that we should meet again. It happened when I had stopped at the small shop to buy some grapes for Mildred. These are the very best grapes we have, Mr. Carey. Been a good year for grapes, and these are really exceptional. They look excellent. I'll take two pounds. Will there be anything else, Mr. Carey? No, just the grapes, thank you. Why, Nora. Hello. It's been ages since you dropped in to see me. Are you angry at me for something? Certainly not. I've been terribly busy. You mustn't overwork yourself. I do wish you'd come to see me any afternoon. I'm afraid I won't be able to see you for some time. Some time, Philip? I think we might as well be truthful, Nora. The whole thing is over. You and me. You're not interested in me anymore? I'm afraid that's it. 
I'm awfully sorry if it hurt you, but it's not my fault I don't love you. You never misled me on that score, Philip. It seems that it's always like this. One who loves and one who lets himself be loved. It's not someone else. Don't be silly. Well, in that case, I shan't feel too bad. Here's your grapes, Mr. Cady. Hold them careful and you won't crush them. I hope the missus enjoy them, but I'm afraid you're mistaken. I'm not married. Oh, I thought you was. You and that blonde lady you come in here with. But you're mistaken. Oh, beg pardon, sir. No harm meant. Oh. Well, I suppose you know. She's back. Knows it. After you told me how you despised her. But she's changed, Noah. She's terribly changed. She's, she's much different now. I should have known as much. Well, I was good enough as long as Mildred wouldn't have you. But the minute she beckons to you... you I hope to... you'll forgive me, Nora. I suppose I would if it meant anything. Hasn't it occurred to you that you're doing the same sort of thing to me that Mildred used to do to you? It has. And I'm very sorry. You've become a liar. You said she was a liar. Well, I hope you're happy with your Mildred. You'd better enjoy that happiness. Live it to the full. Because I don't think it'll last very long. Now, if you don't mind, I must be going. Nora. Good day, Mr. Kelly. About a week after Mildred was released from the hospital, after the baby was born, I planned a little party for her. It couldn't be anything too exhausting, so because I felt a debt to Griffiths, I arranged a, a dinner for the three of us and brought Sol to the theater. We were all in exceedingly high spirits, all chattering at once. <laughs> oh, Philip, your party's marvelous. It's just the I needed, a little wine and a little music. And the sweet laughter of a beautiful woman. Oh, now you're just saying that's very pleasant. Oh, I'm not. I protest that I'm serious and correct, aren't I, Philip? Yes, you're correct. No doubt of that. And serious, too. I've never seen anyone as beautiful as Nelson. Oh, you must stop that, Mr. Griffiths. You make Philip jealous. Philip knows I'm his friend. My appreciation of you is only part of my appreciation of oh, him. You're both prattle so. It's just that I wasn't present at all. That's because you have no small talk, Philip. Well, I really must study up on it. Small talk. Oh, good Lord, Philip. You have to throw cold water on everything. This little party, too. This little Mr. Griffiths finds me attractive. There's no reason to be... I say, uh, there's an old friend of mine just came in. Charming girl. I'll go over and say hello to her. Perhaps by the time I get back, the party will be on full blast again. I'll see you in a moment. There, now. You've offended him with your sarcasm. I don't care. Let him be offended if he wants. He's your friend, not mine. I was beginning to wonder about that. You act as though you thought I was flirting with him. Oh, Mildred. Must we have these continuous arguments? I only behave like this because... Because I'm jealous. I'm sorry, but I am. But tell the truth. I've had just about enough of it. I promise I won't act this way again. How oh, you've promised it a hundred times. I'm sick of all this and of you. Please, Miller, don't raise your voice. People are looking. Let them look. Let them see me sitting here with a freak. I was a fool ever to come back to you. You can say that after all I've done. What have you done? Given me a place to live in and a few cheap clothes and cheaper presents. Well, you can take them all back. All of them. Mildred. I should have left you the minute I saw how lower class you treat me. Well, thank heaven it's not too late. I'm leaving you right now. Right this minute. Please. Don't try to stop. I'm still your friend, Mr. Griffiths. Tell him that I was unexpectedly called away. Yes, and tell him that I'm madly in love with him. As for you, don't come running after me because it won't do you a bit of good. I'm through this time. I say, Philip. Going on. Happened to Mildred. Look here, Griffiths. Don't take her away from me. What? She doesn't mean anything to you. She couldn't. You've got so many women friends. And Mildred's everything to me. I'm wretched with her and I'm wretched without her. 
But I need her, Griffiths. I need her. Oh, you're really in a bad way, aren't you? Well, don't worry about me. I don't give a tinker's cut for her. You mean that? I give you my word. I never cut in on a friend. Oh, Griffiths. I can't tell you how grateful I am. I'll never forget this. Oh, come along. Let's find Mildred and take her home. She's sure to be waiting for us. Somewhere outside? Of course she is. She must be. I was wrong. Mildred was not waiting for her. I didn't see her again for weeks. Yet I knew she'd come back. In spite of everything she'd said, I knew what her errand would be. And one evening, my door opened, and there she stood. Philip, I've come to ask a favor. How much money do you need? Well, there are some bills that I must pay. One of them must be for that new dress you're wearing. Where have you been? Don't you know? I thought you'd be spying on me. I don't know where you've been, all right. You've been spending your time with Griffiths. Then why did you ask me if you already knew? Mildred, you mustn't take Griffiths seriously. He's a very fickle fellow. I won't get anything against Mr. Griffiths. He's told me he loves me. He's asked me to be his wife. What are you going to get married on? He hasn't got any money. Oh, I shall go back to work. That's unlikely. Tell me, did Griffiths send you here? He did not. I won't stay here and be insulted by you. Wait a minute. I'll give you the money. You will? I'll even give you my blessings and give the bride away if you want. That won't be necessary. But you'll take the money. I will. As many thanks. And if... Yes? How will I ever tell Mr. Griffiths if he asks when I got the money? You'll think of something. Anyway, I'm not giving the money to him. I'm giving it to you. I'll have it for you tomorrow. 150 pounds. Enough to last you a year. I hope you'll both enjoy it. All right. Thank you. Don't worry. It's not goodbye. It just seems that way. You'll be back again. Yes, you'll come back. Theater production of Human Bondage, starring Ray Milland with Joan Loring. Now, Nelson Case. You have a surprise coming one of these days, a big and pleasant surprise. It's coming to you the first time you ride in the new 1949 Ford. You'll sit in comfort in the roomy interior, the engine will start purring, and you'll be on your way. You'll be gliding over the road, flowing around curves, soaring over hills, floating over the miles. The highway will be a magic ribbon beneath you. Trees and towns will sweep by. Your longest journey will be easy. The road may be rough. But you will not realize it. You will ride in comfort in the 49 Ford. Yes, that's what you can expect from the new Ford ride. Try it soon. You know how good the 1949 Ford looks? Ride in it, and you'll know how good it really is. The second act of the Ford Theater's version of W. Somerset Maugham's A Human Bondage will be heard after a brief pause for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
This is KNX Los Angeles, both AM and FM. This is Fletcher Markle again, and here's Ray Milland with Joan Loring in the final act of tonight's Ford Theater production of Human Bondage. I discovered that I had at last found my true profession. I've been born to be a doctor. All the disappointments of my life disappeared, and the success and happiness I now found in my studies. Part of my work was to help out in the clinic, and I especially liked this because it brought me into contact with every kind of people, most of them poor. And among the poorest was an itinerant journalist, one Thorpe Athenley. So, that's it, is it, Gary? I'm all done, finished. Yes, we can mark you off the books, Anthony. One case of yellow jaundice treated and cured. I'm very grateful to you. Now, I wonder if you'd do still a further medical chore for me. What's that? I've brought my daughter with me. There's something the matter with her eye. Would you take a look at it? Why not? Only I must warn you, I'm not an eye specialist. I have the greatest confidence in you. You have a real genius for medicine. Sally! Yes, Sally, will you step in here? Anthony, is this your daughter? I didn't think you were so old. <laughs> Don't flatter me. You have my age on your chart. I have an enormous family. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't remember how many children. <laughs> Sally's the eldest. You called me, Father. Uh, oh. Sally, this is Mr. Carey. Or do I say Dr. Carey? How do you do, Sally? Your father's just awarded me a degree a year before my time. That's very like you, Mr. Carey. Father also speaks of you at home. He's led us to believe he's taught you all you know about medicine. Hmm. One of my loathsome habits. Well, which eye is it that's troubling you, Sally? I? I don't think I understand. No, I believe it's her left eye. Well, open it all the way and let me take a look. They blue, aren't they? They are indeed. Father, what nonsense is this? Nothing wrong with my eyes. Uh, really? I thought something desperately was the matter. Lately, you've been going about your eyes filled with tears all the time. I'm afraid my father's having a joke on both of us, Mr. Carey. He dearly loves a hoax. Would you mind taking a look at her teeth while you're at it, Carey? <clears throat> Excellent teeth. Very strong. Father, would you mind telling me what this nonsense is all about? Well, you see, my dear, this is my last visit, and I've grown rather fond of Carey. I've wanted to invite him to our house. But our house is humble, our means are small. Having no other inducement by which to entice him to dinner, I thought I would bring my greatest treasure. That's you, my girl. Oh, Father. And so lure him through your attractions to dinner on Sunday. <laughs> and notice the hair, Carrie, like a sunset on a clear day. Gold, red, quite shattering. <laughs> Never have I been so tempted, nor have I ever received so marvelous an invitation. Oh, Father, I... I've never been so humiliated. Exhibit is like a horse. No, Sally, not like a horse. Rather, rather like a painting. Your father's pride should be your own. However, if it would, if it would embarrass you, I won't come to dinner on Sunday. Well, then you will come. Only if Sally wants me. Sally, tell Mr. Carey that you want him to come. I always do what, what my father tells me, Mr. Carey. It would give us great pleasure if he would come to dinner. Then I shall certainly be there next Sunday. I'm glad. Before long, I'd been adopted by the whole Ethelney family, and they soon became my family. 
Each Sunday, I went there to dinner, bringing presents to the small children and some special delicacies to the table. Those were happy days, restful, full of good talk and good companionship. Even then, I knew it was too good to last. One Sunday, I left their house and hurried to catch my bus. I turned the corner off the Strand, and there was Mildred. Again. And I told you we'd meet again. What are you doing here this time of night? None of your business. You look a frightful mess. You always took such pride in your clothes. But look at you now. Where ain't all of us got money? What happened to Griffiths? He flew the coop. His family wouldn't have no part of me. That was the end of that. You said you're 150 pounds of last a year. Only lasted six months. How have you been living? How things is hard. It's hard managed. How? None of your business. Why didn't you write me? Tell me what happened. After what I've done to you? I'd have helped you. Oh, Jay, you are a real gentleman. I don't suppose there's been anyone like you in the whole world. Here, I'll, I'll give you some money now. Go home. Take care of the baby. No need. Baby's dead. Oh, no. I hardly even seen her. She was in home. They wrote me. Said she was dead and buried. Better off, I can tell you. That's monstrous, Mildred. Simply monstrous. Philip, would you believe me if I said I was different now? That I've changed? No, I wouldn't believe you. For a whole year I've been thinking about you. That's nice. I've been thinking you was the only one that was good to me. The only one. You know what's happened? I've been in love with you thinking about you. Every day I started to go to you. They could take me back. And so I even got to your door. Couldn't knock. Why not? I couldn't. Not the way I've been living. Hands and mouth, dressing right. Why don't you get a job? I've tried. Believe me, I have. I'll do any kind of work, now. All right. I'll give you a chance. Thank you. I'm pretty hard up for money myself. I only had enough to see me through school, and I've squandered a great deal of that on you. But if you want to work, you can work for me. I can't. I pay a woman to keep my rooms clean, and I have a spare room where you could sleep. I'll pay you the amount I paid to her. Oh, you are so good to me, Philip. I didn't think you'd take me back after all that's happened. Don't mistake me. I'm giving you a job and a room, Mildred. Keep the place clean. Beyond that, I don't want anything from you at all. Nothing, you understand? Nothing. For weeks, my arrangements with Mildred worked to perfection. She cooked and cleaned and tried not to get underfoot. Being around her constantly, I soon learned that I no longer loved her, that my love had turned to pity. It was during these same weeks that I did a bit of gambling on the stock market with a few hundred pounds I had left, and so lost the last of my inheritance. I'm terribly sorry that you're broke, Philip. I'll manage. Now that you've helped me back on my feet, I'll get a job. I'll, I'll be able to support you until you get your degree. That's very kind of you, Mildred, but I couldn't think of it. Oh, it's what I want, Philip. It's my turn to help you. Philip, do you mind if I sit here on the floor at your feet? No. If I hadn't been such a fool, I might have been sitting like this, comfy and warm all these years. I'm glad all that's past. And it is past. You know, you haven't made any sign of love to me since I came back. Do you want me to? I suppose you don't care for me in that way anymore. I'm very fond of you. I've never cared for you as I do now, Philip. It's only since I came back that I've really learned to love you. I used to love you, Mildred. And I thought I could make you love me, but... I know now that was impossible. 
You don't really love me. I do. Oh, Philip, I do. And I, I should think that if you loved me, then you'd love me still. I should have thought so, too. I remember how I used to think that it would last forever. I felt I'd rather die than be without you. I longed for the time when you'd be faded and wrinkled so that nobody would care for you anymore and I'd have you all to myself. Philip, do you mind if I put my egg here in your lap? If you must. Oh, all right, all right. Why are you treating me so hard? Are you punishing me? Please, Mildred, don't clutch at my hand. It's so hard living in the same place. Hardly a civil word between us. We could be very much to each other now, Philip. It's too late, Mildred, much too late. I think you're shy. You don't know how to approach me anymore. But I know how to approach you. You've no idea how nice I can be. You disgust me. Then go away and leave me alone. I will go away. I certainly will. I wouldn't stay here now. I disgust you. Imagine, imagine. Stop repeating things like an idiot. And all the time I was only trying to be nice to you. I didn't really care for you, you freak. Mildred. Oh, you cripple. I never cared for you. It was all lies. You always fought. I'd never have anything to do with you except for your money. And now you ain't even got money. And I'm glad. I'm happy. How oh, are we laughed at you, me and Miller. And me and Quimmins, we laughed too. We laughed because you were such a fool, fool, fool. Get out, Mildred. Get out of here before I kill you. You ain't got it in you. You ain't even got it in you to throw me out. You're a fool. That's what you are. <laughs> All right, then. I'll get out. <coughs> All right, you little big. Good to see you go. I'll be back sometime tomorrow for my thing. You needn't bother. You won't have anything to come back for. I'll smash every piece of pine in this house. ruin. I had no money, and so I was forced to leave the school. This meant that I'd made another failure. I lived from day to day, and what I could borrow from the few friends I had left. And it was Thorpe Ethelney who finally came to my rescue. Another cup of tea, Philip? Thank you, no. I'm glad you dropped past. We've been worried about you. Well, I'm worried, too. Sally's been frantic. She went to see your landlady to find out what had happened, but the old woman said you didn't live there anymore. You left no address. Where have you been sleeping? Nowhere. Huh. That's just what I thought. The wife and I have been just as broke as you are. Why didn't you come here? I couldn't bring my troubles to you. Why don't you come to live with us? I couldn't. Why not? Stupid pride, I suppose. Come in. Why is the door shut? There's something going on in here. Yes, as a matter of fact, there is. Philip's going to come and live with us. Mother. But I didn't say I that. think I'd better go tell your mother if you want to make arrangements about a room for you. Philip, we've been terribly worried about you. I'm glad you're going to stay with us. I'm deeply grateful. I think Father's even got a job for you. He didn't say anything. Well, it's one thing at a time with Father. What kind of a job? I think it's a sort of floor walker in the shop where he works. It doesn't pay very much to begin with, well, it's but... probably pay more than I'm worth. Oh, you mustn't feel that way, Philip. Tell me, did you ever think you wanted to commit suicide? Philip! I spent this whole week thinking about it. There's only been one thing that prevented me. What was that? You. Please, isn't it that you thought of me? You're very sweet. Thank you. Sally, do you think a club foot is a handicap to a person? I suppose it is. 
Only it's just a different sort of handicap. The rest of us have other kinds. You know, I, I never thought of that. At least your handicap is honest, Philip. What would you say if I kissed you? I don't know what I'd say. Sally, oh. if you're a true athlete, and I think you are, you'd say I'd be very happy to be kissed by you, Mr. Kent. Father, have you been listening outside that door? Of course not. I was coming to tell you that it's almost dinner time. But I am now going to have dinner delayed. Fifteen minutes, so you'll have time to answer Philip's question. Oh, isn't he impossible? I think he's wonderful. <laughs> and don't try to change the subject. What would you say if I kissed you? You know perfectly well that I always do exactly as my father tells me. So I'll have to let you kiss me. The days went faster than they'd ever gone before. Yet I made no real progress, for my pitiful salary just met my barest needs. I'd long since given up all hope of ever returning to medicine. Then, as if it were the last hideous scene in the travesty I'd made of my life, Mildred sent for me. I went, of course. I went as I knew I'd always go. Heavy of heart, defeated, and hopeless. I found her in a shabby hotel, the doctor in attendance. I don't know why she sent for you, Mr. Carey. What do you mean? Well, there's really nothing you can do, sir. The girl will be dead in a few hours. I can't believe it. Since you were once a medical student, you'll recognize the symptoms. Choking, coughing, rigidness of the upper membrane. <laughs> Please don't go on. I don't want to hear it. As you wish. Philip? Philip, is that you? Yes, Mildred. Uh, you can talk to her if you like. It can't do her any harm. Philip? Philip? Good night, Mr. Carey. I'll drop past in the morning. I'm, I'm terribly sorry things have come to this, Mildred. Oh, you needn't worry. They think I'm going to die. But I won't. I'll boost. I was afraid you wouldn't come. And they said you weren't at the hospital anymore. Did you graduate? No. No, I had to give it up 18 months ago. You are changeable. It can't seem as if you could stick to anything. I suppose not. <laughs> I'm working in a shop now. I, I wish you were still a doctor so you could tell me what's wrong with me. Well, almost anyone could do that. You're very ill. Will I die the way they say? I won't believe it from them. But if you say that... I don't know what to say. And it's true. I am tired. I don't want to die, Philip. You can make it stop. There was always the one who could do anything. You can make this stop. <laughs> Too late, Mildred. No. Now you could do it if you wanted to. Oh, you'd love to see me die. That's... You always have to... I wish to heaven that there was something I could do. Don't help me, Philip. There's nothing anyone can do. You want me to die. I knew I couldn't depend on you. I was a fool to ask you to come and help me. Mildred, please. Well, just to fight you, I won't die. I'll live. And I'll get young and pretty again. And I'll break your heart just like I used to. I'll show you that I don't need you. You ain't nothing but a crippled fool. You always was and always will be. Now get out of here. I don't want anything from you. Just get out and leave me. When can you see me again? Walking along Piccadilly, all dressed up, pretty and young. You'll be sorry you didn't help me now. Get out. 
Mildred was dying, and, and I was sorry. But at the same time, I knew her death would release me from my bondage. Somehow, I made my way home without even knowing where I was going. Is that you, Philip? I'm in the study. Where is everyone? The young ones are in bed. Dad took Mother to the music hall. Special treat. Philip, is anything wrong? What? You look quite ill. No, no, I, I'm fine. Oh, here. Sit by the fire. What are you doing, sitting up so late? I waited for you. When you went out, you seemed worried. Thank you for waiting for me. Could I make you some tea? Sally. Sally, there's, there's something I want to ask you. Yes, Philip? Will you marry me? I thought perhaps that's what it was going to be. Well? There's no one else I would marry. Yes, Sally. You know... I was afraid you wouldn't ask me until it was too late. Too late? To plan for the future. Your future. My future? How you'll work things. So you can go back to medical school, Phyllis. You'd want me to go back to medical school? Absolutely. Oh, darling, we must plan on it. You're still going to be a doctor. Oh, Sally, Sally. And now you have asked me and I said yes. So we can start planning right away. I wasn't free to ask you until tonight. But now, now I'm completely free. I'm glad, Philip. Now then, wouldn't you like a cup of tea? Yes, my darling, a cup of tea. And bless you. Theater on Broadway, who've just heard Ray Milland with Joan Loring in A Human Bondage by W. Somerset Maugham. Tonight's version for listening was prepared by Elwood C. Hoffman. The original musical score was under the direction of Cy Fewer. The Ford Theater, a full hour of dramatic entertainment, is brought to you every Friday by the Ford Motor Company, builder of Ford, Mercury, and Lincoln cars, Ford trucks, farm tractors, and industrial engines. Now again, Fletcher Markle. May a director identify the principals in our cast tonight. In the foreground, Philip Carey was played, of course, by Mr. Milan, soon to be seen starring in the forthcoming Paramount production, The Sealed Verdict. Mildred. Was played by Miss Joan Loring. Chris. Was Hadley Rennie. Sally. Was Susan Douglas. Nora. Was Rita Vale. Dunford. Was Jack Manning. Anthony. Was played by Robert Dryden. Actively assisting were Miriam Wolfe, Neil Fitzgerald, and Gregory Morton. Now it's the next week on the Ford Theater. Next week we bring you one of the most enchanting stars of Hollywood and Broadway, Miss Dorothy McGuire, in a tender comedy about a young lady whose family sent her to New York in search of a husband. Everyone tried to marry her to the most eligible young man about Manhattan, but this young lady had some very positive ideas of her own. Next week, Miss Dorothy McGuire in The Damask Cheek by John Van Druten and Lloyd Morris. And two weeks from tonight... The Ford Theater is proud to bring you the first lady of the international world of motion pictures, Miss Ingrid Bergman, in the title role of Alexander Dumas' great romance, Camille. Now, here are a few words of interest from Nelson Case. <laughs> 
Tonight, the political campaign is at its height. All over the nation, candidates are giving their big speeches, making their final appeal for the votes which will be cast next Tuesday, November 2nd. That's when the winners in city, county, state, and national elections will be decided. But one popular contest is already over. In the mind of the public, one candidate has already won. Reports from all over the nation show that it's the 49 Ford by a landslide. Yes, it's the 49 Ford by a landslide. In the past four months, the Ford 49er has swept the country. From coast to coast, men and women have looked at the new Ford, ridden in it, driven it, and made up their minds. They prefer Ford. And there are very good reasons for the preference for Ford. There's the new beauty, which you know. There's also the new luxurious roomy interior, a living room on wheels. The new Ford ride, which floats you over the highway. The new economy of operation and the outstanding drivability of the new Ford. These are the things which make people prefer Ford. You should find out the Ford facts, too. Find out how the new Ford rides, drives, and operates. You know how good it looks. Find out how it is on the road, and you'll know how good it really is. You'll join the millions and millions of Americans who prefer Ford. Until next Friday, then, until the damask cheek with Dorothy McGuire, this is Fletcher Marco with a good night and thank you from all of us in the Ford Theater. Human Bondage was presented through the courtesy of Warner Brothers, producers of June Bride, starring Betty Davis and Robert Montgomery. Nearly half of all the families in your town benefit directly from Red Feather Health and Welfare Services. Nearly half, and the rest benefit from better community conditions. You benefit from Red Feather Services. You, your family, and your neighbors. And the Red Feather Services, which range from baby clinics to traveler's aid, are supported by the community chest. Your local community chest is now conducting its annual drive for fun. Send your donation now. Remember, everybody benefits, everybody gives. Give to the community chest and give enough.